want to give a quick shout out to uh, Greg and the others who have been helping with uh, technology uh, during the COVID crisis. There's so many people at CCC to thank uh, during this time, but being here in this building for the first time uh, brings to my mind again how uh, grateful to God we should be for uh, giving us uh, him and other people who have the technological gifting, organizational gifting, uh, and the dedication to um, bring all this to bear for our benefit as a church. Um, my wife uh, uh, helpfully suggested I should let you all know ahead of time that um, when I'm concentrating, I sometimes involuntarily make this face that might look angry. So uh, be warned about that. If you see it, I'm not actually angry. I'm just thinking hard about what I'm doing. Um, and uh, there's no anger in the uh, passage of Scripture we're about to look at. Uh, so the passage of Scripture we are at is Hebrews chapter 10. We'll be reading, we'll be going through verses 26 through 39. We'll be taking it in uh, chunks. Um, Lord willing, uh, uh, as we go through different verses, some of the scriptures should appear on the screen, um, but you are more than welcome to open up your own Bible to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, picking up uh, where we left off um, last week. Last week we went through verse 25 of the 10th chapter. Um, and as we reach verse 26, and uh, verses 26 through 31 are going to be our first chunk. I'll read them momentarily. As we uh, reach this paragraph uh, of this book of the Bible, the tone becomes one of dire warning. Not anger, as I said, but a very serious warning. Starting at verse 26. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there remains that there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So a very serious warning indeed. Um, perhaps the, one of the first things to say is that uh, in verse 26, you notice it says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth. So this is, we're not talking here about uh, acting out of uh, ignorance of God's ex expectations, uh, nor are we speaking of uh, those times we all have, uh, and, and these remain sins, but times when you know, we give in to 
these temptations um, momentarily, and then in a flood of grief, we turn to the Lord in repentance. Uh, notice it says, if we go on sinning deliberately, this is talking about a, an arrogant, presumptive kind of rushing head in sin. Um, if that kind of situation arises, that kind of situation, that's where some of these very serious warnings uh, kick in. Um, in. Still in verse 26, towards the end it says, if you do this, if you go on deliberately sinning after receiving knowledge of the truth, he says, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. We have seen going through this book of Hebrews, uh, if you've been following along in this uh, series from CCC or if you're familiar with the book otherwise, uh, that Christ's sacrifice on the cross, when Jesus Christ uh, died on the cross those 2,000 years ago, uh, that was a once for all. Never happened before, will never happen again. It was the totality of God's uh, merciful interposition in human affairs. If that is not good enough for you, I'm sorry, there's nothing else. God could not possibly have any further grace to offer than he already has in Jesus Christ come to earth and all that uh, came about through that. Th this, this point is brought out in uh, further in verses uh, 29 and 30, um, these, these descriptions of, of such a person as goes on deliberately sinning. This, a person who does that is trampling underfoot the Son of God. You're saying if you do this, that uh, Jesus on the cross, it's just like dirt on the sidewalk. You just walk right over it, trample underfoot, doesn't matter. Uh, or again, has uh, such a person in verse 29 is someone who has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified. Um, profaned is uh, the idea of um, it doesn't matter. And what are you saying doesn't matter if you go this route with your life? Uh, the blood of the covenant. Uh, what covenant? The new covenant. You might remember back in chapter 8, uh, the prophecy of Jeremiah uh, long ago that there would come a new covenant when God's laws would be written on people's hearts. wouldn't be like the law of Moses, which people broke, God's people broke, but instead a, a new covenant which awakens within the people of God, a knowledge of God never seen before, a walking with God, a, a fruitfulness, a heart. Uh, after God, the ability to keep his commandments. Um, that covenant, uh, bought by Jesus' blood, you're treating like nothing in this uh, situation. Or, once more, uh, in verse 29, um, outraging the spirit of grace. Uh, this is a reference to the Holy Spirit, as we most often call him. Um, the third member of the Trinity, God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is referred to in quite a number of ways, most often by the term Holy Spirit or perhaps Spirit. I can't remember which of the two is more common. But depending on what's being emphasized by a scriptural writer at any, any given moment, he can be uh, referred to in various ways to bring out various shades of his person and ministry. And in this case, by calling him the Spirit of Grace, it's 
highlighting the fact that uh, the Holy Spirit poured out upon God's people um, in a new way at Pentecost as the new covenant had been ushered in by the blood of Christ uh, shed at the cross. Uh, this is a Holy Spirit of grace, of, of uh, forgiveness to those who deserve no forgiveness. Uh, and if we shun that, uh, we are outraging, we are, we are shunning, we are insulting, we're spinning in the face of this Holy Spirit who is so uh, gracious to those who don't deserve it. Well, at this point, you might be feeling rather nervous. Um, and uh, if you are someone who has struggled with what's often called assurance of salvation, that is, you, you know, I've I believe I've believed in Jesus. I'm trying to follow him, but am I really saved? Am I really going to be in heaven with God forever? Um, if you have struggled with assurance of salvation before, uh, and perhaps this passage <laughs> brings back some bad memories of difficult times, maybe you're going through struggles along these lines um, already uh, at, uh, today. Um, you might be feeling nervous reading a passage like this. And uh, let me just say, uh, you are in good company. If you have faced or you are facing that uh, struggle, there are uh, great servants of God down through history and wonderful servants of God alive and, and working right now who experience this same struggle. This does not make you a worthless uh, person. It does not make you an unbelieving person. Um, this is a struggle shared by many. But let's uh, take a little bit of a big picture approach for a moment um, before we continue on with uh, the way the author of Hebrews is going to address this very serious situation he's brought up with his readership. Um, let's consider briefly the whole Bible's teaching on four kinds of people, four kinds of people as it relates to their knowledge of God and or they're standing with God and what they themselves think about it. Um, so for example, um, in category number one, we have some people who are not right before God, do not have a good standing with God, and they know it. Uh, and with this category and with every category, let me say there are a variety of people and situations quite a variety of, uh, of people and situations under each heading. So we're talking in very general terms here. But there is a category of people who are not right before God. Uh, they are guilty uh, because of their sin, and they know it. So, for example, in Romans chapter 2 and verse 15, it says this. Romans 2.15 says, They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. This is a, a dense sentence. There's a lot in here, and it's part of a larger argument by Paul. But what I want to um, focus our attention on is that there's this category of people uh, Paul talks about who, uh, despite a, a lack of intimate familiarity with uh, God through the Bible, Nevertheless, they have a, a definite sense of right and wrong, and their conscience bears witness to this. And so you have that voice or that 
pinprick inside of you or that punch in the gut sometimes when you do something wrong. Now at times it may excuse you, you come up, you, you uh, formulate some kind of uh, justification or, uh, or um, you know, perhaps you can uh, figure out where your, your conscience is incorrect, but what I want to focus on here is that there are times for every person, and some people really bury this, some people feel it keenly, uh, but every person has in their conscience uh, this, um, this, uh, this occasional, if not frequent, um, experience of knowing that what they've done is wrong. Their conscience tells them. And so at least in that moment, uh, they not only are wrong, uh, in the wrong before Almighty God, but they know it. So that's the first category of, of people. Um, and if that's you, I have good news for you. You don't have to stay in that condition. These wrongs that you've done, they're real, and you are accountable for them. And God is not a judge who is going to wink and sweep evil things under the rug and pretend they never happened. That would be unjust. But instead, he has given the most precious thing in his heart, his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to the earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross to bear the punishment for your sin so that you wouldn't have to. Do you see, God is not going to dismiss, ignore that sin. He's going to deal with it, and he has dealt with it in Jesus Christ. And if you turn to Jesus Christ for forgiveness of sins, he will forgive you. This could be the best day of your life. Um, perhaps there's someone in your house that you're <laughs> uh, socially isolating with, uh, who you know is a follower of Jesus, maybe they're the reason you're watching uh, this stream, and you can go to them and ask them for more about this, or talk, talk through them with this, um, whether or not you're ready to make an immediate commitment. Uh, or perhaps you could go to uh, Covenant Community Church's website and reach out and get in touch with one of the pastors to find out more about this. Um, so the second category are people who know they are right with God. They're right with God and they know it. And uh, an example of this can be found in the book of 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21. 1 John 3 21 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And in the context of this book, when John says, if our heart does not condemn us, he's talking about uh, assurance of salvation that we know that we're, uh, we know in our heart that we are right before God. And if, we, if, if our hearts know that, they know that there's no reason for condemnation because Jesus Christ took the, the punishment and we've accepted that by faith, um, then we can have confidence before God. Um, so there's uh, that category of people. There's a category of people that are they're, uh, not right with God, they know it. There's a category of people who are, are right with God and uh, they know it. Um, that, that, that's, that's not a superior category. Like, look at me, I'm right with God and I know it. Um, because it's only by God's grace, his, his uh, undeserved kindness that you are in that condition. And you have nothing that God did not give you. Uh, you haven't done anything better than anybody else. Um, the third category is some people are right with God, but 
they're not sure. They themselves are not sure. So they are right with God. That is the fact. But they themselves are not sure. Um, back in First John, where we just <clears throat> just were, First John chapter three, um, the previous two verses, nineteen and twenty, say this: By this we shall know that we are of the truth, and reassure our hearts before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. So it is quite possible to be a Christian and not be sure about it. Um, you are not sure about it. But you know what? You know who is sure? God is sure. He knows you're a Christian. He knows everything. And so there may be times when your heart may condemn you, but you can recognize God knows even better than me where I stand before him. Um, so we've seen people who are in the wrong before God. They know it. We've seen people who are in the right before God because of Jesus Christ, and they know it. We've seen people who are in the right before God, uh, and they're not so sure, at least, you know, at some moments. And then the fourth category, some people think they are right with God, but they aren't. And this has to be the most terrifying category of all. Some people think they are right with God, but they're not. Uh, an example passage is, uh, comes from John chapter 16 and verse 2. Jesus says to his apostles, Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. Uh, as an example, if that's not clear, uh, we can think of the uh, September 11th attacks when members of uh, Al-Qaeda uh, attacked um, the United States uh, with those aircraft and killed all those people thinking that they were doing God's will. But they were not. To be clear, um, so there's no misunderstanding, and, and we need to all to understand this. Most Muslims uh, are not like that. Most Muslims are not terrorists. Nevertheless, that's quite a clear and stark uh, and uh, relatively recent example of this inaction where uh, it can be, this is kind of an extreme example, but um, someone can be a murderer uh, and think that they're doing the right thing, and uh, they are not. Um, so you can think that you are right before Almighty God and uh, be in for a terrible surprise. Now, with, with those categories in mind, um, how does the author of Hebrews address this, this very high-stakes situation with his readers? Um, let's read uh, verses 32 uh, through, through 34. But, he says... Recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. 
So what does he say to his readers in this situation? He says, recall the former days. Think back to the early days after your conversion to Christ and think about some of the things you did. He says that they endured a hard struggle. Uh, if you become a Christian, it, it's no uh, pass for an easy life. Quite the opposite. Uh, there is going to be struggle and difficulty. And, and yet they went through with it. And they stuck with it through hard times. Anybody, you know, if times are easy, you know, <laughs> anybody can do it. But when there's a struggle and they kept with it, uh, in verse 33, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, uh, sometimes being partners with those afflicted. In other words, they themselves at some moments were not being publicly ridiculed, uh, and yet they found, about, about, they found out about brothers and sisters in Christ who were being attacked or shamed uh, for their belief in Jesus Christ, uh, and they partnered with them, whether that was through prayer or financial uh, support, bringing the meals in prison, uh, whatever the case was. Um, in verse 34, you had compassion, those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. You, you, you had a smile on your face when they were taking away your belongings, stealing from you, um, because you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. We'll return to that last point momentarily. But um, if, if you are someone who would say you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you struggle with, um, you know, where do I stand? Uh, or maybe you don't struggle with that, but then this passage is making you think, am I being presumptuous that, you know, I, I feel I'm guaranteed a spot in heaven, and you're you feel yourself having begun a, a slide into just not caring and just uh, sliding into, well, you wouldn't say this, but practically uh, the blood of Christ is not that important to you. If, if these feelings are, are starting to well up in you, um, the author of Hebrews would counsel you, uh, at least if he, if he knew you well, he would counsel you. Think back uh, to especially the early days of your being Christian, and, and, and since then too, I would say, um, yes, for sure. Think through the whole scope of your Christian life. And of course, very imperfect. We're all so imperfect. Um, none of us are Christians because um, we deserve it. Um, as we say here at CCC all the time, we, we're not here because we have it all together. <laughs> we're here because we don't. Um, and yet, and yet, if uh, you have been entered into that new covenant and the Holy Spirit of grace dwells within you, and you are under the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. And there are things that are different in your life than they were before. So well, let's ask some questions. Um, have you ever had compassion on someone you, you normally would have ignored or would have uh, made fun of? Um, and to be clear, this is not this is not the game that uh, um, preachers sometimes play. Of you know, well, did you do this good thing? Did you do it all the time? Did you do it with the right motivation? Ah, gotcha. Uh, or have you ever done this bad thing? Well, did you do this bad thing that was similar to it? Did you even think about it? Ah, gotcha. 
like you, you just can't escape. You, you are gonna be found guilty, and that's that's the foregone conclusion. That, we're not playing that game. Uh, there is there is a time and a place to expose sin in people's lives. But what we're talking about here is really, genuinely, by the grace of God, you are a different person than you once were. Have you had compassion on someone you would have ignored? Have you stuck through a trial, a difficult stretch in your life when you would have run away before? Without Jesus in your life, you would have just cut and run but you stuck through it because although it was hard, you knew God with, was with you. Uh, you knew in the end it would be okay, so you stuck with it. Have you stood up for Jesus uh, when he was being uh, ridiculed? Have you uh, witnessed for Jesus um, when the result was that you would be made fun of? This could be in school, um, could be at the workplace, or... Uh, on an airplane, uh, even attacked um, uh, in our country, thankfully, perhaps not physically, but verbally uh, attacked for your beliefs? Um, have you been generous when before you would have been stingy, given people uh, or loaned without thought of reward? Um, and we could go on. Have you, um, so many, so many different areas I'll bet for most people, I don't know all who's watching this stream, and even if I did, I, I don't know all of you uh, as well as I would like. But I suspect for most of you, not being prideful, being completely honest, you can say, yes, the Holy Spirit has changed me. There are, are things in my life that are, are different. There's evil things that are less there, and they still rear their ugly heads, but there's so much less there. Um, addictions that have gone away or, or have been able to just tamp way, way down. And then good things uh, that weren't there before or were just you know, a show or just because I had to, but now I want to. Uh, and I want to, I want to do these uh, good things. Uh, and there's been moments in my life that that was God acting through me. These things, those, those kinds of things I was just alluding to, and you can, you can come up with a partial list. You, you probably don't even remember all of the times God has intervened and worked in and through you. You don't even remember, but God knows everything. And these sorts of things, the author of Hebrews is getting at, these things show your faith was real. It was real. These are, these are the, the evidence of a holy and gracious God in you and working through you. Uh, and if you weren't a Christian, you wouldn't have done those things. You wouldn't have shunned those evils that you shunned. You wouldn't have done that. Um, things you, you never would have done if you weren't a Christian. Um, and that's the grace of God. And these show that your faith is real. And now we pivot to the next few verses where he's going to complete that thought. In verses 32 through 34, these things show that your faith is real. And the next few verses are going to say, so don't give up now. Um, let me start at the end of verse 34. Since you yourselves knew that you had a better possession 
and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. See, don't give up now. Not now. Don't give up now. Which has a great reward, this better and abiding uh, possession. Um, Verse 36, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For, and here's a uh, quotation from an Old Testament prophet, Habakkuk, uh, comes from Habakkuk chapter 2. This Old Testament prophet said, and he's going to reaffirm these words, um, God says, yet a little while, and the coming one will come, and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Yet a little while and the coming one will come. Well, what was that? That's Jesus. Uh, we, we, um, we recited it early, earlier uh, today um, as we do each, each Sunday now. Um, Christ has died. Christ is risen Christ will come again. You see it right here. The the coming one will come and not delay. When it's time for him to come, it'll be quick (laughs) and he'll be here. Uh, He's coming back. Um, And verse 38 is going to bring us back to faith. Uh, My righteous one shall live. The the person who is righteous is a, a person who is righteous because of faith. Um, if, on the other hand, somebody shrinks back from the life of Christ, my soul, God says, my soul has no pleasure in him. In other words, I'm looking for the person who puts their stock and their faith in Jesus Christ. Um, the gospel is about faith in Jesus and not what we do. Um, this 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 though are you starting to feel nervous again it's kind of like when we read um fiery fury of judgment <laughs> falling into the hands of a living god and here if he shrinks back if his, if if he doesn't hold on to that faith in the end god says i have no pleasure in this one um here's the, you might feel that nervousness welling up again in you so now we come to verse 39 reassurance from the author of Hebrews. In verse 39, he says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. Not that second category. He says, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Um, If you're taking notes, this verse is kind of a a recap of what's gone on before. The words are destroyed refers to verses 26 through 31. The words have faith, verses 32 through 34, and preserve their souls um, verses 35 through 30. It's a recap. It's a reassurance. He says, we're not of that second category. He says, talking to his readers, we're of the first. And, and why does he say that? Why is, does he have this confidence? It's because he sees those things in their life that shows their faith uh, was real. Um, he sees these things and he, he says, your faith was real. So don't give up now. Jesus is coming, and he's worth it. So that's our takeaway from this passage. 
if we've believed in Jesus Christ, um, don't give up now. You've lived the Christian life by God's grace and by faith to this point. Don't give up now. It may be so hard, but don't give up now. We need endurance. Don't give up now. Jesus is coming back. Don't give up now. He is worth waiting for. Don't give up now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, we pray uh, for the souls of men and women um, in our country in this difficult time. Uh, we pray for those whose consciences at times point to the wrong in their lives and who have not yet placed their faith in Christ. Would you send your spirit of grace to awaken in them the knowledge of Christ's all-sufficient sacrifice on the cross and cause them to put their faith uh, in him for their salvation of their souls. And for Christians, um, whether confident and yet maybe in these times going into difficult times, um, certainly sooner or later trials, or whether Christians who are struggling and tempted to give up and tempted to despair, uh, comfort their hearts, show them uh, evidences of your grace within them, uh, and stir within them the endurance to keep going, to wait, to hold on, because your son is coming back. He is worth it. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.